vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching, proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about whether you're charging enough for your music lessons. Hello there, beautiful teachers. Welcome back to the show. If this is your very first time listening to this podcast, I hope you love it. And if you do, I'm sure you would love following us other places. So make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram. Those are my favorite places to hang out aside from this very show. This week, we're asking a kind of tough question for some, especially if you haven't looked at this in a while. So I'm going to make this as friendly as I can. If you know my style, I try to make things friendly, actionable, understandable and fun where I can. But this is one where we do have to get a bit tough. Because the truth is, if you are currently not charging enough for your lessons, not charging what you should, which we'll go through what that is in a moment. But if you're not, then you are undercutting local teachers. And that's a big problem. There's a few reasons why that's such an issue. The first one centers back to your studio. Believe me, I have made this mistake in the past. I used to charge not very much for my lessons when I started as a teenager. And I did attract a certain type of customer, a certain type of parent. I'm talking about parents who are bargain hunting, who pick your studio because of the price. That is honestly the worst possible reason for them to pick your studio. I would prefer they pick my studio simply because it's close rather than because it's the cheapest, which, by the way, it's not anymore. The reason this is such a problem is because if people join your studio because they are bargain hunting, because they just found you when you were the cheapest one, they're going to want to push that as far as they can. I am speaking from experience here. And this is not against anyone who's on a lower income or anything like that. I have found no correlation between these two things. I'm not talking about low income families here. I'm talking about people who seek out bargains at any cost. I'm also not judging you, by the way, if you like to find great bargains on, I don't know, restaurants or groceries or fun stuff. That's quite different to what we're talking about here. We're in an education business. And if people choose us because we are the lowest price, then it communicates to us and to themselves that that's the most important thing about this is to get it at the cheapest price. You will find that these customers, they often have plenty of money, will then try to push your policies, not pay you on time, ask for discounts for various things, or even push back when you raise your rates a tiny amount in the future. These are not the people you want in your studio. Above all though, it's not the best marketing strategy in the world. It's actually the worst one. And it's not just because of who you're getting, it's because it's a really lazy marketing strategy. Having low fees communicates your value. And if it's your only way of marketing to be the lowest price in your area, It's not the best way to attract new students, and it's not going to attract the new students you want. 
this for some reason reminds me of something about memberships. So I run a membership called Vibrant Music Teaching and because I want it to be as awesome as it can possibly be, I do a lot of training and learning about memberships, running memberships, etc, etc. And one of the phrases that comes up from one of my favourite people in the membership space is that your retention strategy needs to be more sophisticated than hiding the cancellation button. Have you ever been part of a membership or a subscription where you just could not cancel it? You had to like apply and fill in some fancy form and then email them and da 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 da. Something like this happened to me recently and it is so frustrating and it made me never want to go back to that service. Now what does that have to do with undercutting the rates in your area? Well, it's similarly unsophisticated, just lazy. And I'm not accusing you of being lazy if you do have low prices. I understand why you went for this. Maybe you were new to teaching, maybe you felt you weren't as qualified as everyone else. But if you undercut by a lot, it's just going to attract the wrong type of people. And it's not an effective way to build your studio anyway. The other side of undercutting is that it devalues our industry. I didn't start with this because I think you should charge a good rate, a reasonable rate and at the market within the market range in your area because of your studio. I think you should put yourself first in this regard. However, there's a bigger thing going on too. If you undercut and if people are undercutting all over the country and really charging bargain basement prices for lessons, it sends this general message to the people who see those prices that we are not worth very much. All of us, all around the world. I didn't put this first because I'm not trying to put the weight of the world on your shoulders. That, that shouldn't be the primary reason. But it is a secondary one. And it's the reason why this conversation is a bit awkward. Because what you do affects my studio, even if you are on the other side of the world. You know why you should charge a proper rate. But what should you be charging? How do you know if you're charging too little? This is really hard to unpack, much more so than in many other industries where prices are regularly listed. There may even be a kind of association of some sort who compiles this data. We do compile this data ourselves in our report annually, and that can give you a vague sense. So that's one place to start. You can go to colorfulkeys.ie slash report to get that. In that we list the rates based on different areas. But it's of course going to be vague because one teacher in Texas is not going to be the same as another teacher in Texas, let alone across the whole of the US, right? Because they're living in very different localities with different demographics, with different income levels and different costs associated with running their studio. However, at least looking at that will give you some sense. Like if you're under the lowest rates on our report, you're charging too little. <laughs> That's definitely something you could start with. Another really good sign that you're charging too little is that you have a huge waiting list. I'm laughing as I say this because I have a huge waiting list and I do keep raising our rates. Now there is going to be a ceiling. It's not always true that if you have a waiting list, you definitely need to raise your rates. Maybe you are at the absolute maximum, but it just doesn't matter. <laughs> However, it's definitely something to consider. If you're getting a lot of inquiries, your rates just don't put anyone off, which is my next point, then it might be time to consider 
raising them. What do I mean by no one objects to them or they're not putting anyone off? I believe if your rates are at the right level, then some of the people who get in touch with you who don't know your rates prior to doing that. So for example, if you don't list them on your website or you don't have a website or people are just not looking at that section of the website, which happens to me all the time. People get in touch asking for my rates, even though they are on the site. I'm very open about them. Don't try to hide anything. People still sometimes don't happen to find that page. They don't explore the menu. They just straight away go and apply to the waiting list. If they inquire and I get back to them with my rates and no one ever questions them or disappears after finding out the rates, I know I'm charging too little. Because if they're jumping at that, it means it probably is a bargain. It does depend how much effort you've put into describing your studio and its value before they get in touch with you. So I hope that my website actually qualifies people to the point where even if they don't know our fees getting in touch with me, it's not actually going to matter too much because they got in touch with me because they're really interested in our holistic approach and the games and all of the other stuff that I talk about on my site. But if you don't have as much information out there about your studio, as many of you don't, I am unusual in that I'm, I kind of run websites for a living, right? So we have a pretty extensive description on our site. So if you don't have that and no one is being put off by your fee, it may be a sign that your rates are too low. The next one is very simple, and that's if you're at the bottom of the market. I don't believe that anyone listening to this podcast should be charging the lowest possible rate or undercutting completely the lowest rate in your area. If you are at the bottom of the heap and you are someone who is listening to a podcast in your own time, learning as much as you can about teaching, then you're charging too little. I wish this were not true, but most teachers do not invest this time. Most teachers are not here. It can feel like everyone is doing this kind of professional development because we all get our in our own little internet and social media bubbles. We only see the other teachers who are also investing time like this. But most teachers are not. That's the truth. If you're here and you are charging the lowest rate in your area, especially if there are a lot of teachers around, you're charging too little. No question about it. The difficulty with this comes when you can't find out the rates. I know some teachers will call up local studios and pretend that they're looking for lessons, find out the fees that way in a sort of sleuthing, subterfuge kind of way. I personally have never done that. I do have the fortune that a few places around me do have their rates up so I can periodically compare and make sure we're not way under or way over. That's never happened. But anyway, <laughs> their rates I say that because I have a studio quite close by that charges a lot. So we've never been way over them. That wouldn't really happen. But if you can't find any information online or in a public way about the rates in your area from any of the other teachers, you can start to look at other industries. This is imperfect because we don't have many direct comparisons. If you can find some kind of local service that's offered to kids that is one-on-one, -on -one, assuming you're teaching one-on-one, -on -one, that's one-on-one, -on -one, then maybe you can compare yourself to that. But really, there are so few, right? Most things for kids are in groups, except maybe us. You can start to look at the things for kids that are in groups, like art classes, dance classes, 
Not as much sports, mostly because they tend to be bigger groups of kids, so the economies of scale are quite different to what we'd be looking at. At least here, some sports are subsidized or they're part of a club and, you know, they're kind of being subsidized by people who are further ahead or older students or competitions they win. It's it's really quite complicated. So I tend to go for dance and art. And when you're looking at those, you do need to consider that those are groups. So if you can find out how many are in a group, you can do some calculations based on that. That can be tricky. So as a very, very, very rough guide, I want you to look up a local dance class or art class. And if your half hour rate, or what you would charge for half hour if you don't teach half hour lessons, if your half hour rate is less than their one hour rate for their group classes, you are way under. (laughs) And I'm not saying it should be roughly that. I'm saying that is the absolute bare minimum. I don't think any of us should be under that because you have to consider they definitely have like more than four kids in a class, right? So even if you have to be very rough about it, your half hour rate should not be less than their one hour rate. And you'll be surprised at how much some of them will charge. We have separate resources about how you make changes in your studio. We have a blog post that's very popular called literally that, how to make any change in your studio. You can look that up if you're curious. However, I wanted to briefly go through how you could raise your rates if you do find that you're undercharging for your lessons. The first thing to do, of course, is to calculate your new rate. If you are way under where you want to be, so calculate your ideal rate. If you are way under that, you have a decision to make. You can either jump to that new rate or you can step. I've got a word of caution for you about stepping. It often is a more tempting option. Many teachers are kind of people pleasers and they really don't want to annoy people, right, by suddenly jumping up in price. If you do have a big way to go, you need to consider how small or how big those steps are going to need to be. And especially if you're listening to this at the time it comes out, inflation is a huge factor here, right? So if you are just charging a rate you're happy with, you still need to be increasing your rates every year to keep up with inflation. That's true no matter what your rate is right now. So to be able to step up to a new rate, you're going to have to increase by quite a considerable step each year anyway. It's still going to annoy some people who were very price conscious. I would think that if you have a big way to go to your new rate, you're going to have to be increasing by like 10% minimum each year to get there in a few years. Calculate what that would be for you. But it might be worth just taking the jump. The truth is that if there's a big disparity, the people you have now are not the correct people for a studio with your new fee. And some of them will be. Some of them will stay with you no matter what because they they just love what you do. So if you want to try and retain them, you can do several steps over several years, but they're still going to be fairly hefty increases if you've got a way to go. Before you start any of this, I want you to do a second calculation. So you figured out what your fee is going to be. Now figure out how many students you can lose and still net the same income per month or per year. How many students can you lose and still make the same amount? Work that out before you start any of this. Because if you are making a big increase, the truth is some people might quit. That's the truth. That's what you're afraid of. And it's true. But if you know in advance, okay, well, I can lose 
five students and I will still make the same amount. Yes, I'm going to be brokenhearted to lose those students. Yes, they might be some of my favourite students and that sucks. But it is a step I need to make in my business. Income-wise, I can lose this many. And then even if you lose a few more than that, you kind of have a little bit of self-assurance that it was okay. You're not actually down that much in terms of income. And the next student you bring in at that new rate is worth so much more than your previous students were. And look, I know even hearing me say a student is worth so much more might make some teachers crawl in their skin, right? Because we value people and we love teaching them music. But if you don't run an effective business for all the reasons I talked about before, then you're not doing a good service to them at all anyway. So once you have your new rates and you have your little self-assurance cushion ready with the number of students you can lose and still make the same amount of money, that is when you can start to inform people. I recommend you do this, if possible, a few months out from making the change. Now is really an ideal time to do this. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere and you're going to be starting a new school year in August or September, this is a great time to make the change because it's going to be for the new academic year. You're going to be able to inform them with enough notice that if they want to go get a different teacher who does charge bargain basement prices by September, they can do it. My favorite way to communicate this is to send out the fees along with your enrollment form for next year. I'd also recommend charging a registration fee along with the enrollment form and having parents return it to you a couple of months before the new year. This will ensure that you save the place for them and it'll mean that they really mean it when they give you back the form rather than just filling it in and then bailing at the last minute. If they're going to put their registration fee down and etc., they're also more likely to properly look at your new fees that you've sent to them. Along with this, say it's attached to an email or if it's a written document, you're going to not apologize and not justify these new fees. You're going to simply tell parents, these are the new fees for the upcoming year and here's the enrollment form. Please fill it out by July 15th. Thank you. You're not going to justify anything or apologize. You're not going to tell them why the fees were raised or anything like that. What you can do is to prepare for some questions that may come up. So if you want to write out what you think parents might come back to you with the questions and what your answer should be. Sometimes for those of us who get nervous in conversations like this, confrontations, that can be really helpful to kind of assure you that you're ready for those things and that you know what you're going to say. And remember, you've got that figure of how many students you can lose to still keep the same income at your new rate. That should give you a little bit of that self-assurance that you need as well. Your one thing this week is to do some market research and be honest with yourself about what you would charge if you were starting fresh in your current location. So if you had the same amount of teaching experience that you currently have and the same qualifications and were going to live and work in the same place, what would you charge if you were just now starting fresh with your studio? 
I hope you enjoyed this exploration of whether you're charging enough for your lessons. If you did, make sure to write to me on Instagram. I'd love to chat to you there or leave a comment on the article that goes along with this episode on the Colourful Keys blog. I'll see you next week. One of the awesome benefits for Vibrant Music Teaching members is that they get an exclusive member magazine every month. This magazine brings together our blog articles in a way that is digestible and super actionable. If you want to become a member and get the magazine as well as all the other benefits, you can go to vmt.ninja to sign up.